0: Input
1: Output. Hi, this is Input Output, and I'm your host, Mark Yarm. Today on the Input Output podcast, we've got stories about Shia LaBeouf and Jonah Hill Stan accounts and the push to get rid of racially insensitive programming terms. Name a stylish celebrity, and chances are there's an Instagram account dedicated to their outfits. Inputmag.com senior editor Edgar Alvarez recently interviewed the unlikely influencers behind the popular Shia LaBeouf and Jonah Hill stan accounts. Here's Edgar reading an excerpt from his piece.
2: In a spur-of-the-moment decision in 2017, Bobby Wiggum decided to create an Instagram account called Shia's Outfits. The premise behind it was unapologetic and straightforward. He wanted a page dedicated solely to Shia LaBeouf's style, one that would highlight the tight, crop jeans. Combat boots and vintage t shirt aesthetic that have turned the actor, filmmaker, and artist into a streetwear icon. Fans say the actor is the embodiment of true street style, with many citing his I don't give a fuck attitude as an antidote to Hollywood's preening obsession. Shia himself, however, claims that a lot of thought goes into his looks. He once said, Even though my style looks haphazard, it's actually very thought through.
1: Welcome back to the show,
2: Edgar. Thank you for having me. I always enjoy coming.
1: So you spoke to the creators of both Shia's Outfits and Jonah Fitz. What motivated these guys to start those accounts?
2: So before we we get into those two accounts specifically, you know, social media has grown and Instagram has become sort of a platform for younger audiences. These type of accounts have sort of turned into the new celebrity blog, whereas, you know, back in the day, people would go to just Jared or other websites like that, TMZ even, uh, for celebrity pictures. Now they can just go on Instagram and have instant access right there and then in follow the pages they like for Shia's outfits and Jonah fits. what I thought was interesting was that both of the people I spoke to for the story you know they both did it sort of out of just for fun and just because they were like you know they like Shia LaBeouf style or Jonah uh, Jonah Hill style and they were like oh I wonder if I can go on Instagram and find some you know like an archive of images uh, where I can sort of look at through Jonah's outfits or Shia's outfits. And there weren't any accounts that were offering that at the time. So they decided to create their own. And now for someone like Shia's outfits, now they have a following of over a hundred thousand people. And someone like Jonah Fitz now has uh, around 22,000, which may not seem like much, but that's a, you know, still pretty substantial amount of followers. So you're, you're a fashion
1: guy. Tell me what's so special about the way that Shia and Jonah dress.
2: I think, you know, they both have Slightly different styles. I think for for Shia, you know, he wears a lot of combat military boots, and he switches up his style every every few years or so. But he sort of just dresses as what they call like normcore or blue collar. Uh, vintage t-shirts, vintage Patagonia jackets, vintage denim, military boots again. You know, and he's he's spoken to this before. He sort of just throws in whatever he likes and, and people just find it appealing. For Jonah Hill, on the other hand, you know, he likes to wear a lot of uh, Supreme, uh, Palace, a lot of popular streetwear brands. And I feel like I spent my whole 20s Trying to like be what people wanted me to be, right? Or and I didn't know who I was. And the past couple of years have been amazing in the way of like I'm just gonna be myself. <laughs> he kind of went from you know being in super bad to this streetwear icon streetwear king of swords and it just kind of happened without anybody sort of expecting it it just it just happened overnight
1: obviously you focus on these two accounts in your story but what are some other fit accounts that people can check out on instagram
2: You know, there are many accounts. It depends on on what you like. You know, if you like uh, the NBA, for example, there's. I also spoke to someone who runs the page NBA Fashion Fits, and all they do is post outfits that the players are wearing. Uh, Right now, the league is not happening, but when the league is in play, there are a lot of the tunnel, they call it the tunnel walk or whatever. What's up? It's Russ. And I'm James. And today, we're about to go through some of our tunnel styles. Players usually tend to sort of quote-unquote flex their best pieces in the tunnel walk. So NBA Fashion Fit does a really good job of highlighting that. If you like influencers or celebrities like Kendall Jenner or Kylie Jenner, there are also accounts for them. And then just uh, more celebrities in general. So depending on who you like, there's likely at this point in time going to be an account for that just on Instagram.
1: So what do celebs in general think of these unofficial accounts?
2: So I think they think of this as, you know, as fan pages, and they obviously appreciate them. But one of the things that I did touch on in my story is that There's a copyright aspect to this or a legal aspect to this. Accounts may or may not be profiting from, you know, someone else's intellectual property work. So say a photographer, right? So there are occasions where... You know, some of these accounts will either be taken down or some of the pictures will ask to be taken down. But for the most part, you know, they, they seem to be considering everything terrible that happens on social media. These accounts are, you know, pretty harmless and all they do is they want to share pictures with people and, and people who are fans of celebrities like Jonah Hill and Shia LaBeouf. You can follow Edgar on Twitter at
1: ABCDEgger. Now on to today's second story. Amid the Black Lives Matter protests, GitHub CEO Nat Friedman said the tech company is looking to replace racially insensitive terms like master and slave across its website and documentation. The move is part of a bigger trend in tech that InputMag.com news
0: writer Matt Willie recently explored. Here he is reading an excerpt from his piece. Seemingly minor language changes, such as those proposed by GitHub, have power that resounds much farther than its website's borders. The more we used racist language in our discussions of technology and everyday life in general, the further we press institutionalized racism into disparate aspects of society. Thanks for joining us again, Matt. Thanks, Mark.
1: As you mentioned in your piece, this movement to replace racially insensitive coding terms had some momentum back in 2014. What happened then?
0: I think really it just sort of petered out. You know, there was some interest from a few companies, but... It's one of those things that really it's so deeply embedded in just the terminology of coding and technology in general that it really needs a lot of support to get moving. So that's why it's really exciting to see it pick up right now. There are big companies like Chrome and Google and GitHub really taking notice of how these terms can be important.
1: So what exactly has GitHub CEO proposed as far as changing their language?
0: They're still working on terminology that could replace the language, but much like other companies, they're thinking of using terms like primary and secondary instead of terms like master or slave. Mm -hmm. And then another big one is whitelist and blacklist, which are traditionally used to denote allowed things and disallowed things. So they're trying to replace it with things like allow list or block list, which really makes much more sense anyway.
1: I can imagine some people out there listening saying, this is all just political correctness run amok.
0: What would you say to them? I would say that the language that we use in our everyday lives really changes how we think about the world. We're not really thinking about racial biases all that much when we're talking about coding or technology, but that's all the more reason to have these conversations, to talk about why is it that we use these terms and what are the implications of using those terms. So I think it's you know it's really less about politics and more about... Coming to a better understanding of why our language has evolved to use these terms so broadly.
1: And do you think that the trend will stick this time around?
0: I do think it'll stick. It really seems like GitHub has gotten the attention of other big companies. And I think, especially, how big social justice has been on social media is really helping with this movement, too. In a similar way, that the protests have been building momentum over social media, I think the same kind of momentum can be built now over something like racist terms as well. You can follow Ian on Twitter at Ian underscore
1: Cervantes, and I am at Mark Yarm. For more news from the world of technology and culture, visit InputMag.com. You can click on the links in the show notes for the stories we discussed today. New episodes of Input Output are released three times a week. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. You can find Input Output on your smart speaker or whichever podcast app you use. Thanks for listening.